Holy Spirit, we cannot see you. Holy Jesus, we cannot see you. Holy Father, we cannot see you. But you're here. The angels of heaven are here. And I've been praying that for these few moments we have together that there are no other angels here. We need a victory. We're going to see one. For the battle belongs to the Lord. Let that be clear. Right now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but I've been afraid of snakes ever since I was a kid. Hmm. I blame it on the mamushi. The mamushi is reputed to be the one and only poisonous snake on the islands of Japan. And I grew up with my little Japanese buddies drilling it into my head. You don't want to ever meet the mamushi. It's a killer. One summer, glorious morning, the azure waters of a little mountain lake called Nojiri, my missionary family and all the missionary families from all denominations would gather every summer for, for sun and fun and, oh my, some, some of the best memories. Anyway, this particular day, morning, I'm racing down from our little cabin perched on the hillside. I'm racing down to the lakeside because my buddies are going to be there and we're going to have some fun. So as I'm racing down, I'm just feeling what a glorious day this is to be alive. Deep woods, thick canopy, hard-packed clay path, and I'm wearing my zoris. That's what Japanese call, uh, that's what we call flip-flops. You know the zoris, the thing between the toes. And then I sit, we, I round a corner, and there's this shaft of sunlight, and it's one of those chariots of fire moments when you just leap into the air, and you feel the wind in your face, and you're running because it's downhill. Those, those leaps are boing, boing, boing. And as I'm off the ground and in that sunlight, I happen to look down, and they're coiled in that sunlight, mamushi. Now, you know how it is in the cartoons. Midair, you stop, and you begin, you put it in reverse, and you just start as fast as you can to get back. I found out it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And when my wobbly now, sandaled foot comes down, bam! I'm not sure who was more frightened, that killer snake or this petrified American kid. The way it leaped off and into the woods, I later, realized, I later realized it was nothing but a common garter snake. Yeah. I suppose every normal human being is afraid of snakes. I cannot speak for the abnormal. <laughs> you know, maybe there's something inbred in us from the Garden of Eden in that talking snake, and I have a feeling there's, there's something subliminal inside of us. But what I do know is this. Once upon a time, Jesus offered his friends power over snakeophobia. And I want to go to that story now. It's a short story, but I want to go to it. Because we need, on the cusp of a new year, it hasn't even started yet, but on the cusp, on the eve of a new year, we need what Jesus is promising here about the snake, a.k.a. the serpent. 
Open your Bible with me, please, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. Let's, let's drop down to verse 17. Jesus has just set off 72 young disciples. These are brand new disciples. And he sent them, listen, guys, I'm going through the cities and towns in a moment, but I need you to go first. So just move through in my name. And they move through. And now the story picks it up when they come back. And I want you to watch this. I'll put it on the screen here. Open your Bible to uh, uh, Luke chapter 10. Drop down to verse 17. Here it is. The 72 returned with joy. Wow, why, did they, why are they filled with joy? They returned with joy and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Isn't that something? Wouldn't you, love, wouldn't you love it if Jesus authorized you to have power over those demons? Now, notice the, the, the 72 are really clear. They, they, there is no confusion in their minds where the power came from. Absolutely the caveat, the precondition, they got it. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. That's the big deal. In your name. We know it's not in us. In your name. You think about it, just hours before his crucifixion, Jesus utters some huge promises that we get in his name. Jot these down. Don't forget them. I love these verses. This is in the upper room. In 24 hours, he'll be dead. Here we go. In John chapter 14, verse 12, very truly in the Greek, amen, amen. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I, and I will do whatever you ask. How's it read? In my name, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name. And I'll do it. Wow, Lord. Even the demons submit to us in your name. No wonder when Peter and John are arrested and they're asked to give an account for their actions just hours ago, they reference that name. But I love, oh, you do too. I love the way they describe that name here in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation, Peter and John speaking, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There's no greater name. There is no other name than Jesus. So when I hear a kid swear in Jesus' name, when I hear a grown man cuss in Jesus' name, I cringe. You have turned the name of the only being in the universe who can save you into a curse. Don't you know what you're saying? It's not funny. It's not cool. The whole media, yeah, that's where it's done. Saturated with that, you'll do it automatically yourself. Stop it. It's his name. And you'll never get there without his name on your lips. My, I love the way Desire of Ages puts it. But before Desire of Ages, I love the way King Solomon puts it. Prophets chapter 18, verse 10, the name of the Lord, oh, I love this, is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. If you have the name of Jesus on your lips and the enemy is chasing you down, 
That name on your lips is like a tower. Shoom, you are surrounded by a rocky fortress, and you're inside the tower. You are safe. You are saved in that name. Now Desire of Ages makes all the sense in the world. Here we go. Satan trembles and flees before the weakest soul. Anybody, who here is the weakest soul? Come on. Put your hand up. Admit it. The weakest soul. Satan fears and trembles before the weakest soul who finds refuge in that mighty name. Come on. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Breathe that prayer. Keep that name on your lips in this new year. On campus, off campus, you'll be just fine. All right. Luke 10, verse 17 again, and the 72 returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus responds, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Wow. Hey, listen, those of you that have come to Michigan for the first time, I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning, if you're new around here, wait till you live through one of our humdinger, full light, full sound, nature displays. You never, you never have a thunderstorm like it, like here in Michigan. Our little uh, eight-year-old daughter did, a, did us a wonderful favor. She decided to spend a week with Papa and Grammy this summer. Oh, we had a wonderful time with Ella. She has two younger sisters, but this was just Ella. And in the middle of one of those nights while she was here, all nature ripped loose, boom, Boom! And I hear the I hear the door handle to our bedroom turn, and I hear little little steps pitter patter. I said, "Ella, is that you?" Yes, Papa. Get in bed. Come on, crawl in. <laughs> Jesus said, "I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven." going on here. I'll tell you. There are three, there are three possible answers. Uh, let, me, let me submit them to you and see what you think. Number one, Jesus' words could certainly be describing that explosive battle of words and war of wits that took place in the heavenly courts. Unbelievable. The saddest words in all of Scripture, Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. Then war broke out. Isn't that sad? Where did it break out? That's the sad part. In heaven, in a perfect place with perfect people, with perfect love, war breaks out. If your marriage starts to fall apart, don't be surprised. The author of war had his start early on before he got a hold of you. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough, that dragon, and they lost the dragon and his angels, their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I suppose it could fit that, couldn't it? Sure. But then... Perhaps option number two, Jesus' words could be describing the powerful effect of these 72 new young disciples moving among the masses, healing diseases and casting out demons. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Why not? It would work. Or maybe option number three, perhaps the fullest fulfillment of Jesus' words took place in that bloody and desperate hand-to-hand, mind-to-mind battle in a garden called Gethsemane and a 
mountaintop called Calvary. When Jesus crushed the opposition. Could be. On the Tuesday before he is crucified, executed, and dies on Friday, on the Tuesday before, he spoke these words, late Tuesday afternoon. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world, a.k.a. the serpent, will be driven out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Calvary, for sure. Maybe it's a composite of all three. What does it matter? He saw Satan hurled from heaven to bad news, bad news, earth. The mega battle between light and darkness. Once upon a time up there and now raging around us. I hate to tell you, you didn't get a, you, you didn't get a choice in this one. The mega battle is in your face and life right now as we speak. Could be happening just now. Two sides whispering into one mind. Because the truth of the matter is, this terrible serpent majors in sex. He does. When he got hurled out of heaven and then booted out of the Garden of Eden after he deceived Eve and then Adam, he turned his attention, his diabolical attention to human sexuality. It's the one gift we have from the Creator that's a lot like the Creator. We can make more. The Creator carefully builds walls around it so that it isn't just willy-nilly exercised everywhere a human body goes. But the enemy says, I'll take that sexuality because he, he, he would spit in the face of Jesus if he, could, if he could reach him now. He hates the Creator. So I'll get your kids. I'll get your creatures, and I'll turn and I'll twist that sexuality so that it becomes self-sex and partner sex and pornography. I'll just twist it all up and I'll ruin that gift and nobody on this godless planet will remember where it came from. Scientists today, godless, cannot explain sex. It's the one riddle they cannot explain. How do we get sex? How could that have evolved? Impossible. Something had to be already put together. I'll destroy it. I'll destroy that sexuality. I'm just saying, when it comes to our sexuality, the snake, a.k.a. the serpent, is no friend of yours or mine. But there's good news for you and me. Let's read it again. And the 72 returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I, Jesus goes on, have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. I think that deserves more of an amen than that. Come on. Isn't that amazing? Nothing will harm you. Guess what? 
This, this authority to trample on snakes and scorpions was not limited, limited to the 72 disciples or the 12 or to Christ himself. It is an authority Christ gives to all his disciples. Take the time one of his disciples is in a mess. 276 human beings on that boat that is being pounded to pieces and is eventually split in half and all 276 hurled into the raging sea of that gale force storm and washed up all 276 of them, survivors on a, what appears to be a godless crag of rock in the middle of the Mediterranean called Malta. The islanders who are behind the rocks and wherever emerge. And to, to, to save the survivors, they build this massive bonfire. And Paul, the prisoner, not wanting to stand around and do nothing, says, I'll help you. And he picks up some flotsam and some driftwood, and he's thrown it in the fire. But when it gets close to the heat, a viper embedded in the wood suddenly latches on to Paul's hands, and the natives, all pagans, gasp. Ah, Justice, the goddess, has gotten him. He was saved from the sea, but now she makes sure he dies. And Paul goes, out. And the pagans stand wide-eyed. When will the venom strike? They watch and they watch. And finally, he goes about his work, and they conclude, he's a god. Hey, Paul, he's not a part of the 72. He's not a part of the 12. But the, the promise was for him. Ah. I have given you authority to trample on the snakes. Even the serpent who is trying to crush Paul. No witness to Caesar. Kill him before he gets arraigned. Didn't work. In fact, Paul, months earlier, scribbled this line that was our scripture reading, scribbled it to the Christians in Rome. He's headed to Rome now. He didn't think he was coming in chains, but that's the sad story. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Crush Satan under your feet. Sound familiar? Of course. The very words of Jesus. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. And guess what? Nothing will harm you. Now, you and I have studied the Bible a few times together. And when, whenever we come across something called a double negative, I point it out. Because a double negative is unusual. And it says, stop. This is really being negated here. But I just learned this week in preparing for this moment that this is not a double negative. This is a triple negative, And I've never in my life ever read a triple negative in Scripture. Watch. And nothing. Negative one. No, not ever. In Greek. Triple negative. Nothing will ever be able to do what? To do what? To harm you. You will not be harmed. The authority I give you over this snake, you will not be harmed. Exercise that authority in my name. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Wow. Triple negative promise. Mercy. You say, hey, Dwight, how can I have this promise operative in my life? Three let me share them with you. Three 
steps for victory. I'll share these three and sit down. All right, here they come in rapid fire sequence. Step number one for victory connect with Jesus every morning. Every morning. And you'll be connected with Satan crushing power. As Jesus said a moment ago, the prince of the world will be driven out when I am lifted up. So if you lift Jesus up every day at the beginning of the day in your dorm room or your apartment or your mansion in the, on the hilltop or wherever it is you live, if you lift Jesus up every day, he, he says, the prince of the world will be cast out. You want, you need, you must have that connection with Jesus every morning. You know why? Because he knows where the snakes are. And this is even more important. The snakes know where he is. And if he's in you, I'm not hanging with, I'm not hanging around there. She's got Jesus. He's got Jesus in his heart. Yeah. Dwight, how can I connect? Give me something. I will. In just a moment, I'm going to give you a phone number. You text to me immediately. And immediately, you'll have an answer from me with a method, all right? Okay, there are three of these. There's number one, connect with Jesus every morning. Number two, connect with Jesus' friends every day. What's amazing about this story of the 72 is that as Jesus did with the 12, he does with the 72. He sends them out two by two. That's not Noah's Ark. He sends his disciples out two by two. Why? Because when you're hanging with Jesus' friends, you got safety. Yes. I'm telling you, you're new on this campus. I met a boy last night. It was such a beautiful moment. That board overhead. I mean, it was absolutely one of those. I'll never forget it. Look at that board. It's covered. And every name not in red, because red of faculty, staff, and uh, community teachers. Every name not in red is a student. The new students were here last night. The st all the student leaders were here last night. When I gave that appeal, look, that's Jesus. He, these are Jesus' friends. You'll spot Jesus' friends. You can see them a mile away on this campus. Stay with them. Everybody needs a, a Jesus friend. You don't have one? Text me in just a moment. I'll find one for you. You don't, want to, you don't want to. You don't have to go through life on this campus alone. Don't. Don't. All right, there are three of these. Connect with Jesus every morning. Connect with Jesus' friends every day. And watch where you walk. Watch where you walk. Mamamushi lives on certain pathways. Some turf, by the way, is no-brainer Satan territory. If you are struggling with alcohol and you walk into a bar for water, you're dead. You're just dead. Right? If you struggle with pornography and you wander around on your laptop, you're dead. You're dead. Some turf is no-brainer Satan territory. Don't ever go on territory you know to be his. I don't care what your friends tell you. They're wrong. You want victory over an impure mind? Victory over impure thoughts? And you're watching flicks filled with nudity and sex? You're crazy, and you're dead. 
Watch where you walk. The mamushi waits for your reckless carelessness. Like a cobra. You ever seen a cobra? I grew up in Singapore as well as Japan. Went to school in Singapore. You ever seen a cobra? You never know. Gotcha. Just like that. It's that quick. That quick. You can't move. You're too close. <laughs> you, you're dead. That's the way it is. Three simple strategies, one powerful outcome. Mel Gibson's dramatic portrayal of Jesus' victorious death on the cross, the passion of the Christ, and most of you who are young are too young to know what that is, but within that movie, there is a flashback moment to when they threw a young woman at Jesus' feet, and they want him to stone her for her sexual sin, okay? The woman is sobbing on the dusty road. Her head is dangling, dropped down in shame, her hair brushing the dust. Jesus stands near, and from the side, the camera turns then. We, we, we got the picture. The camera turns now to see a slithering viper carving S's in the dust. His beady eyes are on the woman, his victim. And in that split second, a sandaled foot comes down right on, the, right on the neck of that viper. And instinctively, if you grab a viper right here, th th those jaws go wide open. He can't breathe, nothing. I'm overcome. I've been beat. The foot of Jesus on the killer snake. I can't breathe. Let me go. Let me go. Wow. Hollywood's effort to portray, Hollywood's effort to portray this line from Genesis in my work, Genesis 3.15, there in the garden before they were all expelled. The Creator, Christ, the pre-incarnate Jesus, speaks to the serpent now, that's Satan, and I will put enmity between you, serpent, and the woman between your offspring and hers, that's the Messiah that one day will come to save us all. And he, the Messiah, will crush your head, Satan, and you will crush his heel. Now, I need to tell you something about this battle you're in. You didn't get a choice, and you can't opt out now, but I need to tell you that you cannot battle the devil and come out unscathed. You just can't. But if you don't battle the devil, you'll come out dead. You can't opt out of this war. It's here. You say, I don't want to. You're dead. Calvary, the cross, the place where Christ defeated Satan. Boom. Foot on the neck. You're dead. He's not dead yet. He's still wiggling, writhing. There's life left in him. But he can't have you, and he can't have me without our permission. There's only one line to take away from these moments, and that is the Lord.
wins the battle every time. So call on him. The name of Jesus on your lips in the morning. Do it at night. Call on him. Be safe and be saved this new year. Amen. Amen. Now I want you to text me. Text brooding three. And please don't put a space here. Some of you are putting a space here. It's going off into the universe. We get it way late. Text brooding three to this number that we use for this kind of communication, 269-281-2345. All right? It's easy to remember. Just text brooding three. You wanted, you wanted something? Here it is. I want to connect with Jesus every morning. Send me, Dwight, a new way to pray. I will send it to you. If you text it in right now, in return electronic speed, you will have what I want to send you. All right? If you check box one, it'll say my... You know, you go there. We, I just did it yesterday again. You go there, and there it is. My next steps. Click. Open up that scroll, and there it is. You text that. You check that. You'll get a return text. Come on up, speakers. Excuse me. Come on up, singers. Uh, box number two, I want to connect with Jesus' friends every day. Please help me find those friends. If you put a check mark there, we will, we will send how you can have your friends. And finally, box number three, I want to give my life to Jesus and be baptized. Please help me. Some of you came to this university. You've been putting that decision off for reasons that you know, and, maybe, and God knows. But why, why put it off longer? You're not even a student here. It's fine. You live in the community. Fine by me. You want to give your life to Jesus, who can stomp on your snake and make a fresh new start? Put a check mark there. I'm going to show you one verse that follows verse 19. It's just verse 20. But listen to this. Jesus ends his little discourse to the 72. However, hey, listen, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He said, don't, don't, don't get all puff, huffy, puffy about your power. You don't have power. Don't focus on what you do. I want you to focus on what I've done. You don't get saved by what you do. You get saved by what he's done. And Calvary is what he's done. It's called the gospel. It's the only way you get saved. If you haven't been to Calvary, <laughs> please put a check mark there on number three. Let me know. We'll be in touch with you electronically. We'll find, we'll find a way. Oh, God, please. The snake, we're all afraid of him, if we're honest. But Jesus crushed the snake. And in the authority and power of Calvary's victory, send every man, woman, boy, and girl in this space out into a world that awaits us. On the eve of a new year, send us out with a snake killer on our side. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 